Technology, Diane. No, I'm weren't not. we? Weren't we just bemoaning technology <laughs> no. just a moment ago? I think we were. We were. I, I think that was us, wasn't it? It was. Was us? It was us. <laughs> yes, bemoaning the new technology, and then let's get some. <laughs> That's pretty much what's life the, in a what's nutshell. What's the answer to the this dumb phone that keeps doing the weird update thing and will never stop and is, seems to be stuck in some kind of endless loop? Let's get some new technology. <laughs> It'll be even more fun. But while we're waiting, it's 9.50 a.m. Saturday, March the 20th, 2021. I'm Bill. I'm Diane. It's the Bill and Diane Show. It's almost afternoon. It's almost lunchtime. What's the deal? I'll tell you what the deal is, ladies and gentlemen. I slept in. I slept until 8.30 this morning. That's un unheard of. It's unheard of, Diane. It is unheard of. It's unprecedented. It's pretty unusual for either of us, but it's really unusual for you. Well, and usually if I sleep in, I mean, if I sleep in, it's like 7.15. Yeah. You know? You know, today is the first day of spring. Really? It is. It's also the first day of the rest of our lives, Diane. <laughs> it is. Well, it happy, is that too. happy spring uh, equinox. Then. Is yeah. It, is and it the equinox or is it the other thing? I think it's wow. the vernal equinox. Vernal I equinox, think that, yes. I think that that's what it is. Yes. And I should be a lot more, you know, as someone who's who fancies himself to have certain, you know, pagan connections, I should be a lot more aware than that, shouldn't I? You should. Do I, should, do I need to feel guilty about that too now? You do. That and the technology, it's kind of the <laughs> two ends of the spectrum. <laughs> two ends of the spectrum. I see. Okay, well, I got it. Guilt is a gift that keeps on giving, isn't it? I got myself a cup of coffee here, and I'm going to take me a sip. <laughs> isn't it, Diane? It spreads out, it encompasses it. In folds. Ah, ham and eggs. It gives a big hug to the entirety of a human being. <laughs> as it draws you down into the quicksand of gloom and despond. Well, <laughs> on the other spectrum of gloom and despond. Oh, there's more? Wait. <laughs> no, now no, how much would you pay? No, the, uh, the, other, oh. the other side. Oh. Okay. I remembered, because it's a Saturday and right. spring is happening on a Saturday, I remembered right. that there's this poem that I wrote when I was a child. Oh, right. Spring. Spring is today. Let's go out and play. The grass is green with lots of flowers in between. I sit in the grass so green. <laughs> come on, come on, come on. Come on, hold it together. You sit in the grass so green. Do you want me to read it? No, come on. Oh, no, I'm not going to read it. You read it. Come on, you're the poet. I sit in the grass so green. Can you? And complain about my machines. No, that's not it. It's not that. That's not it. You want me to read it? I'll plant a bee. <laughs> no, this ain't going to work. Pass it over. Okay. Spring by Diane Schulstead. Spring is today. Let's go out and play. The grass is green with lots of flowers in between. I sit in the grass so green. I'll plant a bean. 
Flowers grow out of the ground. Insects poke around. I shout and sing. Come again, spring. The end. I think the end is really the the thing that kind of ties it all together. And Pardon me, I'm going to have another drink of coffee. Gives it that kind of existential kind of, you know. Ew, boy. <laughs> That's good coffee. There. <laughs> oh, every time I read that, I get to the I'll plant a bean. <laughs> I, just, I just lose it. Oh, my gosh. I love it. Ah. It's great. How old were you when you did that, like like 20? No. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. By the looks of the yeah. writing, I was yeah. probably like in third, fourth third. grade. When you're learning how to do cursive. Yeah. And, yeah. The thing that I thought was really interesting is the end. I, I yeah. uh, It was very flourishy, yeah. you know? Yeah. Well, that's because of the bullwinkle. You know, Rocky mm-hmm. Bullwinkle, mm-hmm. when they had the fractured fairy tales, they would do oh, yeah, that. The, the curly cues <laughs> would just go on and on and on. Yeah. yeah. I, I was very influenced by Ugh. Rocky and Bullwinkle. You know, that was a subversive television show when we were it children. It was. It's kind of like, you know, people talk about how uh, fairy tales, you know, are important. It's important for young kids to be, like, frightened, you know, to know what that feels like. Yeah. You know, that the, the scary stories of the, of the old fairy tales are, you know, serve a purpose in broadening a young person's, you know... Uh, outlook and uh, I think Rocky and Bullwinkle did the same kind of thing it was it it opened up a a side of experience and uh, interaction and all kinds of things that was kind of subversive and kind of weird and kind of uh, entertaining but on a completely different level than what you were used to from Mickey Mouse or whatever you know well it's so funny when you are watching something like that as an adult or or uh, Bugs Bunny, any of the Looney Tunes and stuff. And you get all these references that you never got when you were a kid. And you're going, wow. Like, I don't know. It's just, it's so funny. But when I saw that, I thought, that's from Rocky and Bullwinkle. (laughs) You know, I was so influenced by Rocky and Bullwinkle that I actually did this flourishy the end. I always wonder whether the teachers actually knew where the kids were what they were accessing, you know, to, to do that sort of stuff. I don't know. know. Maybe they did. But anyway, spring. It is spring. spring. But it doesn't feel very spring-like today. But welcome spring anyway. Yeah. The end. (laughs) Spring. The end. You know, it's kind of, you could just reduce it down. It is spring. The end. You know, that pretty much covers it. Uh, Yeah. Although the line about the bean is really essential. <laughs> really sets the tone for Well, it's kind of a it's kind of a shift. It's kind of a fulcrum, you know. The same box that my mom had this in her collection uh-huh. of stuff. There is a letter from my brother to my grandmother describing our dog having puppies and that was I was dying when I was reading it. I wish I, I hope he has it somewhere and I hope we can dig it up because it was so hilarious. I don't was even it, know how to I mean hilarious in what way? Was it was it unusually graphic or was it It was just 
the sort of the surprise of a kid seeing what's going on, but the way that he was describing it, I don't know how to say it. It was just hilarious, you know? It's funny, whenever time, because we had cats when I was a kid, and any time our cats had kittens, I was never around for it. Nobody, it seemed like nobody was around for it. We'd get up in the morning and there, there'd be kittens, you know? I don't know. The stork brought them in. The stork, yeah. Well, we have other things to talk about. Are you sure, Diane? Because yeah. this is really, I mean, we're getting deep here. This is this is the deep stuff. You know, maybe it doesn't matter that it's been a hectic week here in Lake Amphetamine, as per usual, over to you, Diane. It does matter okay. that it's been a hectic week, because we talked with Neil last we night. We did. We talked with Neil Woodall. And, and Alice, Alice Abbott. And Alice Abbott. Oh, that was that, that was, was so joyous. That very, was such a joyous. joyous experience. They're in Brownsville, Texas, correct? Yes, that's yeah. correct. And they, Brownsville was actually in the news during that right. deep Neil freeze. Neil was talking about the icicles hanging from their eaves and stuff like that. Yeah. Crazy. Crazy. But the most wonderful thing is that Neil and you were sort of trading some songs through the internet oh, it just was so great to hear neil's songs again and yeah. hear him sing and he is a one-of-a-kind human being that guy and the upshot of that is there's an upshot that you are going to <laughs> you're going to be doing a zoom concert with him in the gonna do a tree house he's yeah. gonna do a tree we're gonna do a double header tree house yeah. yeah really looking forward to that that will be fun and I can tell everyone who's listening that that will be a good one because I, even just listening to, to Neil, without any uh, particular uh, gear, it was just the treat. Yeah. It was just a treat. Yeah, I think if he gets a USB mic, he's gonna be great. It's gonna sound great. Cause that guy knows how to play. That guy can play, and he can sing, and he can write, and he's just. He's engaged on a level. Neil's got his own level. You know? He, he uh, in the big pie. <laughs> in the big pie? In the big pie, Neil is a crucial piece. I see. Yes. But he doesn't, there's, there's not a lot of people in that piece with Neil. For me, Neil fills a niche of the entirety of experience that is vital and you don't really it's one of those subtle ones where you may not recognize that it's been missing for a while but then when it's back you're like oh yes this part you know it's like he and it fills that space up so quick and you're just like yes i need more of this how did i, I, agree. How did I forget about this i need more i, I need agree more. entirely yeah. and you had recorded part of it just so that we could send a little bit to Neil's, just show him how it'll sound. But the thing that I loved is that you have recorded now that part when you, when Neil said, well, uh, let's do one of the, you know, schedule this for the future. And you said, oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm all booked for the future. You'll have to. <laughs> I thought you were talking about doing it in the past. Oh. And Neil cracked up. So, I mean, he was laughing so hard, and I was thinking, oh, yay, we've got a recording of Neil laughing, because I love Neil's laugh. Yeah. He is a joyous human being, man. That's true. He's one of a kind, that guy. So that was good. That happened. 
That but happened. That was just yesterday. Hasn't anything else happened? Well, and there I was had... no Treehouse concert this week, so that happened. It happened that there wasn't one, and that had its own kind of thing to it. But it wasn't a negative thing, was it? No. Yeah. I was glad. I think I need to take like one out of every six or eight weeks. Yeah, I off, think so just too. To kind of, just to kind of, uh, I don't know what. Reset, refresh. Reset, reset and refresh, I don't know. It certainly helped me though. It's been good. And I've been playing the guitar with a, with a kind of relish and mustard um, that had been kind of, I'd been kind of taking it for granted, I think. Gotten into a kind of a, maybe a rut of some kind. Don't like ruts. Okay. When I had, I started a life coaching yesterday. Right, right. One of my dear friends, who used to be uh, my my boss, uh, she has left employment through the uh, department, but she and I have remained dear friends. And she called me about, she actually called me about a work item, just, you know, wanted to refresh her mind about a memory of when we were moving into um, production on uh, Workday, our new system and all that. Blah, blah, blah. Blah, 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 blah. But then she told me, because she's now working 50%, she had stopped working at our department because she knew she wanted to do something different, but she wasn't quite sure what. But she started doing work 50% of the U, and then she pursued this life coach um, certification. And she's almost there. And so she was telling me about this uh, life coaching thing that she was doing. And and uh, she's, she's at the end of her, uh, right before her certification is issued. Right. And she said uh, that she was doing this. And I said, I want to do it with you. And she said, Really? And I said, yes, because I'm considering how I'm going to do my retirement. And I really want to think about that and focus on, because I I don't want to go into retirement with like just blank space. I mean, not that I would ever have blank space, but I want to have, I don't want to retire because I'm getting away from something. I want to retire because I'm going to something. Because I'm not going to ever retire if it's getting away from something. I, I enjoy things yeah. quite a lot at work. Yeah. And that was really interesting just to even identify the things that I do like about work. Um, that I just started talking to her about the fact that I'm going to be missing stuff. And, um, and I think that a lot of people do when they're considering retirement. <clears throat> because it's not like taking a vacation where you're just getting away and refreshing yourself a bit. It's, you know, it's a big move. So that was really fun. And also, she's just, uh, she's just a person I dearly love. Yeah, so. she's, she's got a really bright spirit, you know. She's just sparkly. She is sparkly. Yeah. So that's that's the other thing that happened for me this week. <clears throat> well, for me this week, um, I had a couple of, I had a conversation with uh, our our friend now, Hayden Reese, the filmmaker. We had, we had a Zoom. Did we talk about our Zoom call with him? When did that happen? No, I don't think we did. We may have 
you said the preliminary that yeah. we were going to. Oh, yes, that's right. I think we were saying we were going to, because I think it was later on that day. Wasn't it Saturday last? Yeah, I think it, it was. And uh, so Diane, because Diane is like Diane, <laughs> rather than just, you know, you know, Hayden Reese made the film Every War Has Two Losers. He made the film William Stafford, Robert Bly, Literary Friendship. He made the film Rumi, Poet of the Heart. He made the film Robert Bly, A Thousand Years of Joy. So we've admired his filmmaking. And Diane, of course, takes it a step farther. She looks for Hayden Reese on Facebook, finds that he has a Facebook page, and sends him a message thanking him for the films and, and you know, just saying how much we, they've affected us and how much that we've appreciated them. And Hayden writes back and says, thank you for this, such like that. We became involved in the, in the fundraising for the Robert Bly film because he was doing a GoFundMe kind of operation for that for the final stages of production of that film and we contributed to that and our kind of contact with Haydn kind of you know kind of continued kind of just peripherally a comment here a response to the comment there and then suddenly Haydn shows up at a treehouse concert and you well know, I had told him about the treehouse concerts so oh, okay. that's how he didn't just stumble in right I told him that you were reading poetry uh, in it because uh, uh, that is unusual people are doing concerts but not so many people are reading poetry with the concerts so. ah, okay well anyway so Haydn has been has been coming into the treehouse uh, a couple of three times and so Diane had the idea well you know this guy is an interesting person you know and and it's it looks to me like Haydn's going through some changes in his life and wouldn't it be interesting to talk to him so she actually just wrote to him and suggested that that we do a zoom call together the three of us and so we did i was just curious because i was wondering do, do people make a living at being a documentary have we ever asked that question have we ever gotten an answer what do you yes. do for a, what do you do for a living Hayden? well no i didn't say what did you do for a living but i basically i did uh ask about he was saying that he was able to make a living through it okay yeah, he was he was basically saying that it's a risky business and right. and he was telling and said that it was a lot easier to make documentaries when he was than it is now because there are a lot more documentary filmmakers out there. Right. I guess. Well, it's yeah, the documentaries are just <clears throat> flooding the marketplace now. I would say that I would think that that would make it harder rather than easier, but maybe it does make it easier because there's people are willing to to help finance projects because they see that documentaries are very much popular right now yeah but so maybe that is i'm just curious about it because you know why did he <coughs> decide to do this and yeah well i was interested in that too and when when we got off the conversation i was i felt like i still had a lot of questions that were unanswered and i wrote to Haydn afterwards to thank him for the call and said you know, there were so many things that we didn't get a chance to talk about like this and that and the other and he wrote me back and said, "Well, yeah, those sound like important topics. Let's let's get together and talk about them." So he and I did a Zoom call yesterday. That was very cool. Well, he's a cool guy. The thing that is interesting to me about yeah. telling people that you uh, admire something that they do. You know, it's a little different when you're when you're talking to the sorts of people that we admire because they aren't we we like things that are not in the big popular societal vein because i always think 
I have really gotten to say to some of the people that I really admire what their their works did for me and uh, like Wally Shawn yeah. that was a really big thing for me to be able to tell him your film My Dinner with Andre has, has affected my whole life yeah. you know there's something about being able to tell people and not in a weird you know stocky kind of way but just to, to truly be able to say you have done something for my life yeah. it really makes me realize how networked we all are to each other you know that we are we're constantly sparking ideas in each other and we're influencing each other and inspiring each other and that really thrills me yeah but even when I was a kid, I, I remember when I was in, in school, that I, especially in high school, I used to always write to my favorite teachers. I'd write them a thank you letter after the, after the quarter, or, you know, the last semester was over. Right. Because I just wanted them to know that they affected me. And I, I was really glad that I did that. And I think that that's why I kept it up all my life, because there was one teacher who I truly admired he was not even teaching, uh, he was teaching like health and safety and, you know, the sort of driver's ed and stuff like that. You know, it was a, he also taught political science, but I was not taking his classes in political science. But, um, you had a political science class in like undergraduate school? I mean, under, in high yeah, school, in high there school? was something, well, maybe it was civics or yeah. something. Yeah, it must have been but civics. We didn't have political science. Maybe I did take it because I took another class from him that was not. I know that in our high school, civics was a requirement. Yeah. It was a requirement. But he was one of those teachers that just had a great sense of humor. But he was, he just really affected people. And uh, I saw it all around. He was involved with a lot of the student groups and everything. And so I had written him a letter after my senior year and told him how much he meant to me. And then he was killed in an accident shortly afterwards. And I always felt good that I was able to tell him that what he had meant to me before the opportunity had gone, you know. So for me, I, I think I've always kind of kept that in my heart that... Um, that you may not always have a chance to thank you, thank the people. And if you've got a chance, take it. And, and a lot of times I think people are shy because they think, well, how will they react? I feel like, does it really matter how they react? I mean, if it's something that you want to tell them and you're not being creepy, you know, I, well, you know, there is, it is a fine line, but, but most people can make it, I think. And, and just tell them what you did had meaning for it. Because I, especially as I'm going through my life, I keep thinking, man, you know, you really want to know that the things that you have done are making an imprint of some sort in the world. You don't, it would not be so great if everything that you did was, was falling on deaf ears, you right, know. right. It's and true. that brings up our music, actually. Yes, it does. Because in a very interesting way. I also had 
I also had a meeting with a couple of my songwriting group uh, folks. Uh, Amy couldn't make it on Wednesday night, but Nancy and Marjorie and I decided to meet up anyway, just because we, you know, we just wanted to update each other on our lives because it had been a month or so since we'd met, and that was just really, really, really life-giving for me. It was like making this kind of contact with people. Uh, I don't know. It just is very nourishing, I think. And um, people are. You know, you hear about Zoom burnout and stuff like that, that people are having trouble with the screen version of, of interaction. But, boy, I think it's, it's been really vital for me during this time of relative isolation. And, and I hope that it's something that can continue because it's a, a great way to be in contact with people who are far away that you miss and that you want to hang out with and you want to know how their lives are going or whatever. Anyway, I just wanted to put that in because these are, Marjorie and Nancy are two of the most creative people I know and uh, the way they they cope with the struggles of their lives and things like that is just very, uh, uh, I just think it's, it's a beautiful thing to watch and they have a, uh, their marriage is, is, you know, one of the ones that I would hold up as being really uh, mutually gratifying and and uh, just a perfect match. They just seem so perfect together. So, anyway. but but you were speaking of this because there's a connection to our music today. Well, it's just people that I've known for a long time. And one of the things that I found this week, Marjorie had posted a picture on Facebook of herself in I don't know high school or maybe even younger uh, at a at a gathering that was organized by. Jim, Jim Valley. Jim Valley. And uh, she was talking about how important that was to her development as a songwriter and a performer and how much Jim Valley had encouraged her as a young person to, to keep writing her own songs and things like that and how important that had been to her development. I didn't even know this about Marjorie until I saw that picture. I, didn't, I had no idea that she had a connection to Jim Valley, you know. And he was the first one to uh, point her towards the Antique Sandwich open mic. So that's how she found out about that. And she is the one who told me about it when I knew her at Whitworth. And she's the one who got me to go to the Antique Sandwich Open Mic for the first time. So Another show of the networking of everything. Yeah, yeah. You know? this, the, the way these little filaments can you know, light up different portions of your life or create uh, instances and, and influences that last a lifetime. So. Well, and Jim Valley has a long history yes. in the northwest and i think not just the northwest no, but, uh, yeah worldwide worldwide he's gone, he's gone a lot of places but uh I, and i've spoken of him in the past because of my connection through the victory music concert for kids because i used to put on the concerts for kids that was my bailiwick and loved it and jim was one of the people i hired frequently because uh, you know he and tim noah were the mainstays of our Concert for Kids program. And I just, it was so funny because Tim and Jim had different different kinds of ways that they operated, and they were both equally successful. But uh, the thing I loved about Jim's performances is that he really was playful with the kids to the point of 
you know, they were, <clears throat> because he would be in the schools and they would write songs together. So a lot of his songs were written with the kids and they just were funny and fun. And the and he had a lot of uh, arm movements and hand movements that kids would participate in while they would sing the songs. And it was just a very participatory thing actually i think most kids concerts are pretty participatory because that's necessary for children but i didn't even know when i was first doing this that he had this whole backlog of history as the paul revere and the raiders guy and before that he was in another group like the viceroys or something like that so that he was kind of a heartthrob in the area and that he was this you know this rock star, rock star baby. And, rock and i star. did not know any of that until i think until i was on facebook you know and then i saw all this stuff and i thought oh wow i mean i think i knew that he was in paul revere and the raiders i think they was said but but to me since i was not from this area paul revere and the raiders there was only one song i remember by them yeah. and i wasn't i wasn't following them right. so Anyway, um, when I was doing the publication, uh, laying out the publication for the Ancient Victories, uh, I saw that he had a new CD out, and Mm. it was called Garden Fair, uh, F-A-I-R-E. And uh, so I ordered it because I was really excited that he had a new uh, project and that it was not his old rock days and that it was not his children's performances, but that it was sort of uh, instrumental performances. Mm. And I really love it when people keep recreating their their creative life. And so I wanted to hear what he was doing now. And so we got the CD, and um, it's just delightful, charming. And um, if you want to get it, just to let you know, you can get it on Amazon, or you can go up, just type in Jim Valley Garden Fair and there's an uh, order form. That's what I did is I ordered it directly from him. But part of the thing that is really cool about this CD concept is that Jim Valley has this amazing garden. I've never been there. I hope to go there someday, but, um, but he has pictures of it all the time on his Facebook page. And the it's just, gorgeous and when he was doing the the children's concerts his whole thing was called rainbow planet that he was that's his his uh, concept is this is a rainbow planet and in all sorts of ways and you know that we're that we've got lots of diversity of cultures we've got lots of diversity around us and to enjoy that but he also proves that out in all these things that he does in his garden. There's just all these lush colors, and <clears throat> I just think it's amazing. So a lot of this CD has um, connection to that, to his garden, and and uh, I just think that's so cool. Cool. So the, the songs we're doing, um, the... Uh, we actually it was his birthday last Saturday and I was like oh man we could have done that on his birthday but I had already planned to do it for this week 
because one of the songs is called Spring Fandango. And I'll have to put the, the name of the other one in. I can't remember off the top. I just remembered right away, Spring Fandango. Okay. But um, just so you can see some of the images from the garden, I'm going to put up a little video on our pages just so that you can see the music with some of the images from his garden. It's just amazing. It's just a, it's just fun to hear the another creation of Jim Valley's in a different sort of way. And this uh, this CD, by the way, has Nancy Rumble on it. Uh, it has a, a Danny Deerdorf had produced a couple of the the songs, and so it's it's got some of our local luminaries local luminaries on it. So 